Thank you so much for joining us. The Bible reading for this message is taken from Psalm 142. It would be great if you could push pause now on this video, go and have a read of Psalm 142, and then come back. We'll see you in just a moment. Psalm 142 speaks into the life of the believer, the child of God, who has gotten to the points in their life where they just do not know how they can possibly grow on because their spirit has become faint and has weakened underneath them. Psalm 142 is full of all these touch points uh, that span the range of the emotions that we face when we find our time, ourselves in times of great stress, when we feel that we are distressed because of the pressures that life is throwing at us. Remember, this psalm was written by David in the cave of Adullam, which you can read about in 1 Samuel chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 6. As we looked at last week, if you didn't listen to last week's message, that's part one. You might want to go and have a listen to that. But what we're doing now is we are exploring some of the insights that the psalms that David wrote while he was in that cave give us. He wrote at least two psalms, Psalm 142, and then also Psalm 57, which we'll consider next week. But Psalm 57 and Psalm 142 uh, span the spectrum of the emotions that David had inside that cave. In Psalm 57, David is bold and confident. It's possible that he wrote that towards the end of his time in that cave. Whereas Psalm 142 has David uh, at the breaking point of himself, but still somehow trusting in and clinging on to God. You see, David is alone and he's in trouble. He's being pursued uh, and he has no one with him. And so let's just break the psalm up into a couple of different headings, gain insight into David's relationship with God and how it is that he understands God and how it is that he cries out to God in the midst of his stress so that we, with David as our example and as our forerunner, can consider in our times of being alone in a cave and under great stress, we can still cling on to God and trust him. So the first thing we notice is in verses 1 to 3, and that's the urgency of David's plea to God. I cry aloud to the Lord. I plead aloud to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. I reveal uh, my trouble to him. Uh, the first thing we notice in David's plea is that he is expressing faith, even as he brings his complaint to God, even as he cries aloud to the Lord. We need to understand that expressing faith in God can look different in different situations, depending on where we find ourselves. Here, David is pleading in utter desperation that God would deliver him. Sometimes we find ourselves in that place, and it's okay to cry out to the Lord just like David did in that way. Sometimes we, we praise God and we celebrate. The Bible teaches us that we uh, mourn with those who mourn and we rejoice with those who rejoice, and the Lord does the same thing. So regardless of circumstances, we can find ways to express our trust in God, and it doesn't always have to look the same throughout the entire course of our life. And we need to understand that and we need to accept that because sometimes we can come to a place where we think that I'm, not, I'm failing, I'm failing in my faith, I'm failing in uh, expressing my trust in the Lord. But it's simply because we don't understand that their faith has 
so many different facets to it that trusting the Lord can look different in different situations. And David is a wonderful example of still trusting in the Lord, but being able to pour out my complaints and reveal my trouble to him. The second thing we notice in this plea uh, that is just so urgent and heartfelt uh, is that the pleading isn't uh, half-hearted. It's not hopeless. It's not a last-ditch effort. It's not that I have um, nothing else to try, and so I might as well just give this a go. This urgent plea is relational. David here is speaking to God. I cry aloud. I plead aloud in verse 1. He's not just thinking these thoughts. He's actually verbally expressing them. And you've got to picture yourself. I mean, at this stage in David's time in the cave, he was almost certainly alone. I'll show you why that is to be true when we get to the end of the song. But he's alone in a cave, and he's talking to God out loud. You just picture that in in the darkness, in the solitude, with all of those echoes. There he is, talking to God, verbally uh, bringing these things before the Lord. And I'm making a bit of a meal of it because we need to see uh, that David, and when he prayed to God, he did it in a relational way, in the same way that he would verbally verbalize, uh, talk out loud to another human being. That's exactly what he's doing here with God. He is speaking to God. He is articulating his plea. He is pouring out his complaint before him, and he is revealing his trouble to him. It's all done to the Lord, to the Lord in him. You see, the psalmists are happy and comfortable to pray boldly and openly to God. Even though God knows their thoughts, even though God knows their hearts, the psalmist shows us something of what it means to express our trust in God, in prayer, and in the way that we pray. And so it is for us uh, something that we can learn, uh, a point that we can take to heart and practice and work on in our own lives. Do you pray? Are you comfortable to pray boldly and openly to God? Uh, Do you pour out your complaint to him? And when you pray, do you verbalize that prayer into clear thought structures? As you speak to the Lord, perhaps you need to go into your cave, go into your room, go into your closet, close the door, and in the darkness, speak to God. It's not a crazy thing to do, because this is the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And the psalmist here, David, God's uh, Messiah, his anointed one, the the future king uh, that would carry God's promises, and through him, uh, Jesus would come. He's not a madman in a cave. He is a child of God, a person of God, trusting in God, and uh, verbally expressing that trust to God in his prayers. Uh, There's something about articulating our prayers to God that the psalmist shows us and teaches us. As I was thinking about this psalm, I thought of Daniel in the lion's den. And, and the whole story of Daniel in the lion's den was that uh, he, the other people, the politicians, they wanted to trip Daniel up. And so they, they got the king to pass a law that if anybody prayed to anybody besides the king, they would be thrown into the lion's den. And we know that that happened to Daniel. But it must have been the case that Daniel prayed like this. He prayed openly. He prayed 
uh, verbally, it was well known that he was a man of prayer. Three times a day he prayed, and that was what tripped him up and got into trouble. And so you see throughout the Bible these incredible characters, these uh, men and women of prayer. Another one, uh, think of Hannah and her praying and her crying out to God to the point where uh, the priest thinks that she's actually drunk, but she's actually just praying to the Lord. Do we, as the saints of God, as members of his kingdom, as those whose heavenly Father uh, desires us to come to him, do we pray like that? Do you pray like that? Is something that is that something that you need to think about uh, working on uh, and uh, working in, in that area of your relationship with God, where you get to a point where you are comfortable to talk to God openly and to articulate your prayers carefully and thoughtfully uh, to God in words that you express that come out of your mouth. If prayer is from our hearts uh, to the Lord. And in verse 3, even though uh, the psalmist is feeling uh, weak, he recognizes and acknowledges that God uh, knows his way. And so that's really the, the second thing that we see after David's heartfelt plea to the Lord is the problem that he finds himself in. The problem that he finds himself in is that he's at the end of himself. His spirit is failing. He doesn't know the way that he should go, except that whatever way he goes, there's a trap hidden for him. He says to the Lord, look to my right, because that's where my helper would be. And I have no one. I have no one who stands up for me. Uh, and, they ha and I have uh, nowhere to find refuge. And I have no one who cares about me. Uh, that is uh, the, the problem uh, that David finds himself facing. Uh, we don't always know our way, but that is of no concern for the person who is uh, trusting in the Lord. Uh, what, what underwrites your confidence? For David, the Lord was the underwriter of his confidence, even in the midst of the pressure that he was under and the pressure that he was feeling. Now, trapped and abandoned in the cave uh, where no one cares for him, David reflects on who God is. As David moves from expressing his plea, his urgent heartfelt plea to the Lord, verbalizing it and laying out his complaint before the Lord and revealing all of his trouble onto the problem and the plight that he finds himself in, he then goes and talks about the Lord as being his uh, portion. Uh, that is the place where he arrives at. He does that in a couple of different ways. He does it by reminding himself and showing us what his relationship with God is like, what God is like, and who the God is that David is trusting in. He expresses confidence in God in spite of his circumstances. And the thing is that in the solitude that David finds himself in, his faith is able to see what is invisible to the physical senses. Uh, David saw that God was for very important things to him. The first is in verse 5, where he says that God is my refuge or my shelter. In verse 4, David said, I have no refuge, no one who cares for my life. But here he says, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of, li of the living. God was a refuge from David's enemies, from those who had 
hidden a snare from those uh, who would pursue him and kill him. In Psalm 57, which is that companion psalm to Psalm 142, David actually describes his enemies as ravenous beasts who would devour him and pursue him and dig a a pit for him until disaster had overtaken him. But now he has taken refuge in the shadow of the Lord's wings until the disaster is past. God is our refuge from enemies too. God is your refuge from enemies. He's your refuge from stress. Um, He is also our refuge from his wrath. Uh, Because as we find ourselves hiding in God and taking refuge in God, we are both safe from enemies and we are safe from God's wrath against sin. Charles Wesley actually wrote, Other refuge have I none, hangs my helpless soul on thee. So let me ask you this. Are you finding your refuge in the Lord? Are you finding your refuge from life and circumstances in the Lord? And are you finding your refuge uh, from sin and God's wrath in the Lord and in the cross of Christ that he has provided? The second thing that uh, David confidently trusts in is that God is his portion. Uh, God promises to be our shield against our enemies, and he is a far greater reward than all the riches that this world has to offer. Are you aware that the person who possesses God is richer than even the wealthiest of this world? If you are, uh, why do you work so hard for the things that will soon pass away? Remember how Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the things that all the psalmists try to teach us, uh, that they try to move us to the point in our relationship with God where we can say, God is enough. Though heaven and earth may fail, though I might lose absolutely everything in this sad life, God is enough. Is God your portion? Can you cry out like the psalmist does that God is enough? Can you say like David it is says in the cave when he has absolutely nothing, God is my portion. The third thing uh, that David uh, says, verbalizes, is that God is my savior. God saved David from those who were too strong for him, uh, who were pursuing him. Uh, the confession is not direct, uh, is not expressed in, in direct speech. Um, like the other two points were, but here it's expressed as a prayer, as a plea for help, an expression of faith that God will indeed be his savior, a recognition that I am very weak and my enemies are too strong for me and that my only hope is that you rescue me from those who pursue me. Your only hope for saving is the Lord. You won't find it in yourself or in other human beings. Only God can rescue you. Only God can deliver you out of uh, your times of aloneness and stress. God is the one who hears our cries of distress, and he comes to our aid to save us. And so let me ask you, is God your savior? Uh, Each of us needs a savior. You need a savior from sin, from its destruction, Uh, from the world and its enticements, uh, from uh, yourself even. If God is not your savior, you will be defeated by each and all of these mighty enemies and you will perish in your sins. 
if you have God for your savior, you will triumph over them. And fourthly, David says, God is my liberator. David asks God to set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. David needed to be rescued both from being alone and from being in this, this prison that he felt that, that he was in. He wanted to be freed from the prison of his cave in order that he might return uh, to a productive and fruitful service of God and praising him. And so let me ask you, are you looking to God as your liberator? so that he can liberate you from your prison and set you free so that you can actively serve him and praise his name and bring him glory through the way that you live your life and serve those around you. Uh, those are the four things that David recognized. That was where he was placing his confidence in. He was confident, supremely uh, confident uh, that God is and would be his refuge even in the midst of all of this. Uh, that God is his portion, regardless of circumstances, uh, that God is his savior and would save him, and that God is his liberator and would set him free. So let me ask you, uh, is your confidence in that God? Is that the God that you are trusting in to lead you home? Uh, this is one of the things that we take uh, from David and from his experience, his time in the cave and his being alone, uh, because this is who God was to David. But more than that, this is who God is. And so is this the God that you are putting your faith and confidence in? David's life challenges us as believers in this same God, that at the moment of crisis, his instinct was to turn from himself to the Lord and to pray, and to remember that in the midst of this pleading, in the midst of his crying out, in the face of all of his problems and his stress, who the God whom he was trusting in, the God that he was serving was. And I'm going to just say it one more time, because I think it's important for us to drum this into our heads, especially at this time. God is your refuge. God is your portion. God is your savior. And God is your liberator. We need to hold on to that reality of God. So that when you say to yourself, who is God and what is my relationship with him? You can remember those four simple things about him. And you can find great comfort in knowing that he will give you shelter in your time of stress. That he is your portion, that he is all you need. That God is enough for both this life and the life to come that he is the one who has saved you through the cross of Jesus Christ, and that he is the one who is liberating you. He is setting you free as a captive from sin to be part of his family and his kingdom for all eternity. All right, so let me just try and wrap this all together for us. We've recognized in this psalm, and we've learned uh, from David, uh, to express our urgent heartfelt plea to the Lord, to verbalize it, to pray to him like that, to not be afraid, to lay out our complaint or trouble to him. Uh, we recognize in the psalm uh, David's uh, problem that he found himself in uh, all alone in the cave. No one cared for him and no one was there to help him. 
But we've also recognized that David in this time discovered that God was in fact his portion, that although David is in danger of being killed by King Saul, he has found a refuge in God. Although he has been driven away from his home and all of his loved ones possessing nothing, God is in fact his portion and his very great reward. Although he is in danger of being overcome by people who are stronger than him, God is in fact his savior. Although he feels shut up in prison in the cave, God is his liberator. He anticipates a day where he will once again enjoy fellowships with God's people, where he will no longer be alone. And that is made abundantly clear at the end of this section in verse 7, which says, Free me from my prison so that I can praise your name. The righteous will gather around me because you deal generously with me. And it's really interesting because at the beginning of 1 Samuel 22, David is alone in the cave and then his family joins him. And also those who find themselves in debt or under great distress, they also join him. And, and so you get that movement. And so that's why I think Psalm 142 is written at the beginning of David's time in the cave, because by the end of the time, he isn't alone. In actual fact, he is surrounded by the righteous, those who support uh, God's anointed uh, future king of Israel. Uh, and, and so you do arrive at an incredibly uh, wonderful high point, uh, you know, because uh, David's uh, situation is going to change. It's not always going to be uh, David alone in the cave. And I think that that's something that we can take for ourselves. You will not always be alone in the cave. You will not always find yourself under the stress that maybe you're finding yourself in now or you have found yourself in or one day you will find yourself in. It will be brought to an end and we will one day be surrounded uh, by the righteous. If not in this lifetime, certainly in the life to come when we are finally home in heaven with our Lord as surrounded uh, by brothers and sisters in Christ. And so really as we um, recognize these things, what we understand and what we take from this is that when my spirit grows faint within me, the Lord is the one who knows the way, and I can trust that. Even though I cannot see the future, God can and does, and God will order that future well for you. The second thing is that as David confesses, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. It's a declaration that David was content with God, even if he was lacking other things and other people for the moment. We recognize that there are parts to suffering that are entirely individual and that we do uh, walk through that suffering very much alone, that no one can experience our trouble as we do. And yet still, uh, the righteous are with us and will stand by us. The company of the redeemed are our friends and will be with us both here and in glory. And if you feel as though uh, you are completely alone, remember that no one was ever more alone than Jesus was in his uh, hours on the cross. Everyone had left him. Everyone had forsaken him. In actual fact, it gets so bad that he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
At that moment where he died, even God forsook him as he took our sins in his body on the tree and died for us. And yet he knew that God would return to him again, even as uh, Psalm 22 indicates that one day he would be surrounded by many brothers. And so, friends, we know that God has actually promised that never will he leave us and never will he forsake us. Jesus promised uh, that even though he was going away, he would come back for us and that he would be with us right until the very end of the ages. So know that even though you might feel alone and abandoned, Jesus was alone. Even though you might feel deserted by those who have been closest to you, so was Jesus. But remember this, Jesus has not deserted you. And even more than that, he understands exactly what it is that you are going through, and he is there to help you. And some of the righteous may even still be standing by your side. In Hebrews chapter 13, uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, quotes from uh, Deuteronomy 31, and then again from Psalm 118, uh, where he says, be content with what you have. I think that even means be content with the stress you might be facing. Be content right now if you're alone in the cave. Because, as he quotes from Psalm Deuteronomy 31, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And so we say with confidence, and he quotes from Psalm 118, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. Would you bow with me and let's pray. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that this is your promise to us, that never will you leave us and never will you forsake us, that Lord, you are my helper and we need not be afraid. Father, as we find ourselves alone in the cave, may we remember that you are our refuge. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.